that's why sometimes you got to break your own rules. What is going on, everybody? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn how to rock more and suck less. In Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. In Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Wright. There have been previous times where we have done the uh, the streaming portion of the show, and I was wearing a tank top, and I was like, ooh, feel a little exposed here, but <laughs> today I just don't have it in me. I was like, no, you're just going to have to, if you're watching this on any format, you have to see my shoulders, and they're fine. They're not- Their shoulder, I mean, I mean- I don't know. They're workable shoulders. We can say they functionally attach your arms to your torso. That's a thing. That's what I've been told. Yeah. Uh, how's it going? Not bad, not bad, but kind of quite weak. We were uh, still working on getting back into the school swing around here. So um, between that and uh, we've now got the child is in a play. So that's Ooh. Friday and Saturday every week. The child is doing um, improv at that same theater company on Thursday. We're doing piano lesson on Saturday. The extracurriculars are substantial. I wish I could say it gets better as they get yeah. older. But, um, right. No, yeah. Doesn't. So yeah, we've got lacrosse with the older one and then karate with the younger one. Uh-huh. And the older ones also got scouts and other extracurriculars that have oh, to happen yeah. also. We're going to uh, scouts. But as far as like music stuff that was kind of neat this week, we went to the local high school football game because they were doing a feeder night where they let the football players, the cheerleaders, the band kids from the middle school go and hang out with the high school versions of those things. Cool. Um, so Oliver got to sit in with the marching band and hmm. uh, that was pretty cool. He currently plays French horn in the band and uh, they don't do French horn in the marching band. So he had to learn how to play a mellophone that day. They were like, here you go. And uh, kid just took to it. Like that's good. That's good. I, having been a brass player in high school, I will go say going from a tighter embouchure to a looser one is a whole lot easier than the other way around. I one time was handed a French horn and could barely squeak through it. Having been on trumpet and then, and then um, brass baritone for some time, you know, but to me it's the, it's the, the, the valve setup because on every other one, like the the mellophone and the trumpet, it's a it's a three valve scenario versus a French horn, which is four. Now I yeah. could be speaking out of turn. I don't know, I don't know enough about a mellophone to know if maybe I'm I'm wrong. Confidential gmail dot com. How yeah, many cr- uh, valves does a mellophone have? Right, right. <laughs> I didn't get far enough on the French horn to even confront the valves. I was just trying to make make it honk, and I mm-hmm. couldn't quite do that. So, yeah, I don't know the differences in fingering of those instruments at all. The, the funniest thing about that game was that, like, I saw a lot of my friends because they all have kids that are that were at the thing. So nice. Uh, it was it was a social event for the grownups as well, Very and cool. um, <laughs> I did end up running into uh, a gal. The last time I saw her was backstage at the Ugly Kid Joe concert, and weirdly enough. She was showing Bruce Kulick from Kiss Around. That was a very strange. I was like, what are you doing here? And why is Bruce Kulick here? It all made sense by the end of it. But anyway, she was there by herself because her husband is a fantastic guitar player. And he was playing a gig uh, down the road that night. So cool. I just went up to her. I was like, hey, uh, Smitty over at uh, over in Roswell. She's like, yep. I was like, cool. We had a That's good. It was nice to catch up and all that. But, you know, think about that contrast. You run into somebody backstage at a rock show with quote unquote celebrities. Yeah. And the next time you see them is uh, a high school football game. Look, everyone, everyone's got life. Everyone's got their stuff going on. It's with- there was a video you posted from that marching band thing that was interesting. Yeah. So I'm not sure what to think about it. And this is, again, I feel like it, this could be a world that I'm just not familiar with. Right, right. Or maybe they were doing something that like wasn't immediately clear to me as to why it was happening. So I am fully aware that when marching bands are rehearsing, they have a loud, audible metronome tone that plays behind them so that they can make sure that they're in sync even if they can or can't see what the drum major is doing 
But during the halftime performance, they did that with the audible click happening. So they did their full program with just bing, 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 like audibly huh. just in the stadium. And to me, it, it was definitely like it's a it was a competition piece. It's like the thing they're going to to compete for. So maybe it was just a scenario where it was like, okay, well, we've got to get this thing locked down. So we're going to just get our reps in by doing it at the game. And they're not worried so much about the way it looks as far as execution goes in that way. But uh, it just seemed really odd that like yeah. you would just be able to hear that. Because immediately when it started, like Amber and I looked at each other like, huh, that's weird. Did anybody else notice? No. Right. Probably not. Right. That's the thing. Did the audience care? And and aside from some people who know what that dink, dink, dink noise is. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. It was like one of those real like piercing, like high pitch ones. Like a cowbell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Bell. I mean, I, I've never thought about that, but obviously flying that into an ear on the drum major would make some sense. Um, and they're definitely doing something like that because I, you know, when they move out, they got the paddles up. Like there's some, something like that is happening. Mm -hmm. I just mm -hmm. don't know to what extent. Yeah. But I, I feel at some point you could just put everybody on the, you know, just get a bunch of packs and everybody can just hear yeah. the click. Yeah. It's not like you need multiple mixes. Yeah. Maybe, you know, and maybe that does have it. Again, this is my first foray into right. uh, this world. So, right. You know. Right. Or maybe this is just a thing now. We're just playing the click over the, over the speakers and. Letting it rip. I don't know. Who's to say? Yeah. Again, coverbandconfidential at gmail.com. Please yep. help. Yes. The, again, this week's show within a show is all about marching band. Marching band confidential. Yeah. Marching um, band. That might actually be out there. You know. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Other than that, uh, Guitar Boys rehearsal actually happened. Um, guys came over. And one of the co cool things that we're, you're able to do when you're onboarding somebody and you have systems in place, like let's say band helper, the way that we were guiding the rehearsal was we went into band helper and we just went to all of the songs that have been on the most set lists. Mm. So it was just the, the heavy hitters, the ones that are yep. always going to be there. So it was very easy to just like set that up and poke through the lines and be like, these are the ones we're going to work on. And, you know, that's a super efficient way of, of, dealing with that stuff. Now, the other thing that we did is I made everybody play through the songs that we're doing for like the Halloween thing, even though they hadn't rehearsed them before. I think there's, I think there's something important about just performing something or just playing it, whether mm -hmm. you know it hundred percent or not, Right. that you're initiating that muscle memory that needs to happen in order for you to feel comfortable by the time it gets there. Yeah. And it's also, sometimes it's nice because I know for me, I get this like mental block about the, I need to start practicing. And the, the idea of starting to practice is like the, the hump to get over because maybe I'm afraid it's going to be super complex or I'm not going to be able to remember the structure. But like when you're sitting there, you're playing and you're like, oh, it is. It's these three chords over and over and over again. Like right. Ghostbusters is literally like three sections. And right. uh, once you have that, the song, that's it. Same with Watch Me. Watch Me has even less of those. It's right. just the same thing over and over and over again. Right, right. And now they've, now they've gone through it once. So, you know. Yeah. That's we're good. that much closer. That's good. And, and the ones that are really hard, you know, at least you've all seen eye to eye about how hard they are and, and have a t-shirt size of how much work it's going to take. Well, yeah. So. And it's also, you know, what we've basically decided is that we've got our next big show, which is about a month out. We're just going to do, the, we're going to do weekly rehearsals with just the three guitar folks because our bass players got a bunch of stuff to onboard and um, it's incumbent upon me as a band leader to make sure that he feels comfortable and that we are as well orchestrated as we can be. And that's how we're going to be able to do that. So yep, that's exactly. what we're going to do. Very cool. So hopefully I think we're announcing the Friday the 13th show uh, this week. 
And like I said, October got real busy real quick. I actually realized that I ha- I am currently double booked on October 14th. I've got yeah. two shows that day with two different bands playing two very different eras of music. So that'll be fun. And one of them is is I'm actually I'm just doing it as a solid. No compensation, just uh just being just being a nice guy. Well, look, sometimes you got to go know? pro bono. Sometimes sure. you got to, you know, pay it back. I'll just write it off somehow. I'll figure it out. Yeah. No, just write it off. Just write it off. <laughs> The cover and the government pays you back because it's a write-off. It's a write-off. No, they just write it off. Great issue. They should call it a tax write-off. They do. They do. <laughs> For those of you who are really annoyed and frustrated right now, that's from Shit's Creek. Uh, yeah. There was a very funny episode they did about write-offs, and you know, I mean, we we write everything off. Absolutely. Even now, there you know, there's a line to cross. Speaking of lines to cross, we hit a major benchmark this week. We were number twenty-nine top 30 music podcasts in sweden sweden number 29 i mean uh, that's I mean, it's the highest we charted in sweden it's the only time we've charted in sweden i think uh i think we've kind of been you know maybe we're in the top 50 top 100 but right. never never this high up so all right well listen to all our swedes we love you too whatever whatever thank you is in your native language yeah we should have researched that before we started that yeah episode, you know but. it's best laid plans <sighs> well Anyway, yeah, get all your fellow band Swedes to come listen to the podcast. <laughs> that was great. I really like the way you wrapped that up for us. Yep, yep. Speaking of which, let's uh, switch gears. Let's do uh, let's do review time. This one comes from Ben, uh, and it says, "Doing the right things right." Five stars, Apple Podcast. I started listening in April 2022. Not coincidentally, about the same time my most recent band's lead singer and guitarist moved out of state, and I became an instant fan. Adam and Dan's podcast is filled with provocative topics. Always just hard hitting mm-hmm. uh, relevant to any gigging musician and the weekly road warrior stories from their lives as gigging musicians keeps me inspired as I've been working to start a new project. My day job as a software engineer, ah, uh-huh. it's the through line. Uh, we often talk about doing things right versus doing the right things. And the podcast world, uh, Adam and Dan have an uncanny knack for doing both. Oh. Thanks to the great material and keep it coming. Ben from Austin, Texas. Big thanks to Ben. We are currently the highest and most rated musician cover band podcast on the planet. And uh, in terms of people, like people's listener ratings that. Yeah. So like as far as like as close as we could be to five out of five stars on top of the volume of ratings, we have the bestest of and mostest of both of those currently. Love it. And we can't, we can't do that without you guys. So if you haven't already, please submit a five star review and we're just going to continue to dominate this tiny, tiny slice of the podcast pie. That's just what we're here to do. Dominate the pie. Indeed. So I think that's all of the uh, podcasty housekeeping things. So now we can get into the good stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And in record time, too. By the way, we did see the note in all the surveys we did about the um, chit chats fun, but let's get to the rapid right? Yeah. 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 We hear you. We hear you. Thank you. So this was a topic that came in initially through email. And uh, I was prepping to do this uh, on an episode. And the person who wrote the email, uh, under no fault of their own, got impatient and decided to join the Patreon and just ask the, the community yep. as a whole. Yep. So he, you know, they circumvented the the chain of uh, of command, but did so in a very <laughs> effective way. Yeah, and got more than what they were probably asking for as far as advice goes. And now they get to do it with the show episode on top of it. So we're totally 
going above and beyond here. So this week's topic is compliments of our brand new patron, Joe Hopkins. And it's a subject that I think we should all be willing to revisit because just like our review friend here, sometimes you got to start over. You got a new project. You got to spin off the ground. And that was kind of the intent of this initial question. So here's what we're going here. This is the the email that he sent us. My wife and I do acoustic covers, and I was hoping you guys could tell me if there is anything I should know before trying to book our first gig. Uh, never done it before. There are a few bars close to us that have acoustic guitarists play for three hours on Fridays and Saturdays. Do I just stop in during the week and ask who books the music? Is it better to call or email? We don't have social media. I was thinking of providing a promo, open mics, you know, wh- what are your thoughts? Of which we have plenty. Plenty. So I would say the overarching topic is, so you want to start playing solo gigs. Yep. You want to begin or an acoustic case, career. Duo or whatever. Duo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Joe, Joe and his wife, Kristen, are out of Charlotte, North Carolina. So as close as that is to me, which is not far, I, I don't know that market particularly well in terms of its venues, or I'd be all over and like sending yeah. them to places I know. But it's a really good question. How do you start a thing from scratch? A lot of us have been working the same project for many, many, many years like you have, and some are you know, not that far into a new thing like me. So it's, yeah, the, the ability to know how to get a thing up off the ground to begin with is, is, um, not something you're born with. Gotta reach out to the community, reach out to folks like us and see what you can find out. So we have gone over your booking technique pretty, pretty heavily over the course of this show. We have. And I think if we were to jump back into the methodology behind that, we should do it through the things that you feel are necessary to have before yes. you you start this process. Yes. So what is it that you need to have as a solo or musician or duo or what have you in order to be prepared to start the process of putting yourself out there? Yep. Yep. So when I have done this, the things I have made sure I had in advance are a website, doesn't have to be much, but something. Social media presence, doesn't have to be much, but something. And in the conversation that fell out of this question on the Slack channel, Joe said like, I could start a Facebook page, but it'd have like 12 friends. Do it. Have 12 friends. Yeah. Way better than nothing. And then uh, some sort of demo, either audio or video that's available on those things that people can come look at and listen to. And then something to hand out while you are talking to people face-to-face. I like to have a one sheet. I think it's an important uh, thing to have a well-designed, good photography. Looks like you know what you're doing. Front and back sides. I, I think that a song list, a sample set is a really powerful thing, uh, communicates a lot. Our whole thing is built around the eclectic nature of what we cover. It's very, very broad. And so I make sure to express that on that piece of paper that I hand out. I don't cheap out on that paper, on that one sheet. I print it on very nice paper. I make it look good. I make it look well-designed. For my current band, we actually had a paid photo session almost before we did anything. We had a couple of rehearsals in and I was like, I need some good photos that I can start to build some marketing around and and the, it's really paid off. Yeah. So those are a few things you need. Anything else you, you would add about underlying assets you need to have carrying with you? Well, I, I think I've got, I've got some ideas around the things that you suggested, like some kind of next steps or what have you. So, mm-hmm. you know, getting a website. Yes, that's important. I would say more important than a website would just be a, a URL that goes somewhere. Yep. So... Most people won't get beyond the looking at the business card and seeing a URL on it. So it's like so and so.com and it's like, okay, this person cared enough to put something out on the internet. They spent twelve whole bucks a year mm-hmm. to register or, a domain name. Or less, so they must you know, yeah, depending. So they, they must mean it. 
And where that goes can be a lot of things. I think currently the best course of action is to do a link style page, mm-hmm. whether that's through a, a free service like Linktree, there's a bunch of other ones, or through your existing website. You know, if you have a Squarespace site for other things that they have that kind of link layout section already included, it's just a thing that you can very easily set up. So yeah, you would get the custom URL that then redirects to this other place. But I think you're, you're dead on with resources, a logo of some kind a one sheet or uh, a a sample song list of some kind. Yes. And if possible, decent promo. And decent promo does not have to be anything super technical. (laughs) It could very well be just a fixed iPhone shot from whatever. And then you took a three hour video and you cut it down to like less than 90 seconds. 90 seconds is almost too long of just good parts of that thing. Yep. Whether that's directly recorded from the mixer or if it's literally just the mic in the room, you need to have some kind of benchmark piece of media for for them to consume in order to verify your legitimacy in this format. Yeah. And it is legitimacy. It's credibility. It's not showcasing your magnificent chops. It's like, hey, here's a person who can stand in the corner of my bar and emit music. That, yeah. That's the bar you're clearing here. It's not it's high. The barrier of entry. Barry Venture, that's what I was headed for. Thank you. Yeah. And, and in fact, Joe posted one that he built that's 36 seconds long and is pretty credible. And that's all it takes. But yeah. I think a lot of people get too wrapped around the axle of the, I need X, Y, and Z before I get started. You just need a rudimentary version of any of those things. At bare minimum, set up an Instagram account, some sort of directory that people can get to, and a song list. I think even with that much information, you can you can hit the ground running. Yep. And as far as song lists goes, like what do you what would you say is the minimum amount of repertoire you would need in order to fill out a three hour gig? Because I think a lot of people they're jumping into it and they're like, okay, I need to get X number of songs to fill out this night. You know, what what do you think that number is? Like on the on the low end? On the low end. Well, let me tell you how I how I do it. For me, a three hour gig is forty songs. Okay. Now that's often an overshoot and it leaves me with some room to play with choices as the evening progresses. But for a three hour show, I plan 40 songs. And the, I would say the matching number is 50. I think that's the, yeah, maybe what that gives you is it gives you the ability to change things up. Right. Yeah. But typically what happens is you, you just kind of start onboarding additional songs as you go and yep. your song list goes from 50 to a hundred. I would say that the first 50 are the hardest. And the yes. next 50 are going to just come and go because if you are willing to take feedback and you know, you're taking requests, you're going to start hearing people request songs over and over again. And that's a good way to kind of inform what you should be working on as you prep for the next one. Yep. And you'll get bored with the ones you've been doing. You'll notice which ones aren't really hitting in the room. You'll trade them out for something new. You'll keep the thing fresh. You know, we're going into our next show in a couple of weeks with a, a, a real pinky swear among us in the band that we're going to have at least a third new tunes. And um, we've identified them. We're working them. We're, we didn't manage to rehearse this weekend, which kind of hurts me, but, uh, but we will next weekend. And so, and that you got to do that. You gotta get, your show will get stale so fast for you that performing it will become kind of miserable. Yeah. So you got to keep those fresh for yourself. But I, but again, as a barrier to entry item, 40 to 50 tunes, plenty. Yeah. And as far as talking about the the kind of gear that you're going to need as you're getting into this, uh, it really depends on the, you know, your market and the venues around you. So maybe the main place you want to play has a PA setup. And so all you need is your instrument and your peripherals. Other places, it's totally under the control of the musician. 
and you're going to have to have enough sound reinforcement to cover the whole thing. So getting started, you, you may not necessarily need to have all of that stuff before you start booking, but mm -hmm. just know that if you're going to do this kind of thing long term, for the most part, at least in our market, Artist Provides PA is like a boilerplate part of the contract. Here too, especially for acoustic stuff. A lot of those yep. venues aren't prepared to amplify you. So that's probably a worthy thing to, at least it needs to be a conversation with the person you're booking with. That, yeah. Hey, do you have PA or am I expected to yep. bring that? Yeah. So yeah, just be, be flexible, be willing to do whatever it takes to get the show off the ground. But I would say an Instagram account, a song list of around 50 tunes and uh, a video from the corner of the room. I think is all all you need to start spanking the planks. Yep. Yep. And then speaking of planks, Joe's next question on the Slack was, should I email or call? And the answer to that is yes, but don't expect much. Yep. Feel free to email and call. That's useful. Sometimes they'll respond to you. Most times not. But well, let me argue about the the benefits of going through those channels. Do. If nothing else, sending an email to a venue creates a paper trail. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, what Dan typically does is they're walking into bars, they're getting FaceTime with employees, potentially managers if they're there. But it's just as likely that you can walk in and somebody will be like, oh, Joey's not here, but I'll tell him you came by. And that never happens. Right. And so weeks can go by and you haven't heard back from anybody and you're like, what happened? And the person in charge has no knowledge of any of this. Right. So by sending an email or sending a voicemail or whatever... Uh, that at least gives you a frame of reference. Like, oh, I reached out about two weeks ago, didn't hear back. I figured it was a good time to follow up. That kind of precedent is uh, yeah. probably beneficial to you. I will tell you the best outcome I ever had about that was I did walk into a place, I did meet the manager, and he was kind of dismissive. He was kind of like, yeah, yeah, look, you got to send me an email. And I was able to say, oh, I did. A couple of weeks ago, I didn't hear from you. And he was like, oh, God, man, I'm <laughs> sorry. He was fully busted, you know? And, and then we were in a conversation because like, he had to give me a little bit to like appreciate that I had tried to take the right steps. And, but then it was just you guys talking. He wasn't like out to shut me down and shunt me off to his other preferred channel. Like I already did that. Can I like, maybe we could just talk. And I did end up booking that one on that visit. First time I talked with him. So do try over those channels. Don't expect anything. Don't get offended. If you don't hear back for sure, you just want that attempt in your pocket for when you actually connect with the person. Yeah, for sure. Now, another thing that can happen, and this is, we're coming at this from all the angles that we can think of. So in, in Dan's market, you can walk into a bar, talk to a person who works at that establishment and is also in charge of booking the entertainment. Right. Now, in my market, that doesn't happen quite as often. Yeah. The way that our particular area is set up is that there are a handful of gatekeepers. There's folks that book every venue in a particular area and they are the point of contact, not somebody yeah. who works at the restaurant. Right. And there's upsides and downsides to that particular scenario, but there's more upside on the venue because it's, you know, it's one less set of responsibilities for the venue to manage. Yeah, there, there's an upside for us too. I mean, once you're in, you're in and it's efficient to book that way, but getting in is tricky for sure. Yeah. And so I've joked around that it's the, I call it the acoustic gig mafia. Right. When you're in, you're in. And when you're out, you're out. Yeah. Um, but it, the the idea there is it's the same kind of thing. You're marketing yourself to somebody booking these events, yeah. but the potential upside of getting in the good graces of somebody like that versus just a single venue owner is that they can't just 
get you booked at their place once a month or once every two months, they can get you booked every single weekend all over the place. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I have a band and I have, you know, in my case, I, I do solo stuff, I have an acoustic duo. There are a lot of ways that they could deploy me into all of their inventory. And yeah, it's a valuable relationship once you have it. Well, and you, but you're, you're also going to be using the same tools to kind of get into those, those things. I yeah. will say though, if you are trying to ingratiate yourself with somebody who deals with musicians, you're going to be competing with every other musician in your market. Yeah. So while the barrier of entry to just get started might be the things that I mentioned before, if there's already an established group of folks that are playing out all the time, you've got to find a way to either differentiate yourself or put yourself in the stratosphere of the people that are already busy. Right. So right. you might have to step your game up as far as the quality of your promo to get it. Yeah, no. In the interest of just curtailing a bad idea, um, one of the things that Joe floated on the Slack was, should I offer to play for free just to get known? Nope. The answer to that is no. Hard no. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, I mean, there are some, there's several bad effects if you do that. You do not want to be known as the guy who plays for free, first of all. You don't want to do what that does to the market, right? Why should I pay these professionals when somebody over here is willing to be my free music monkey? What you really want to do, I mean, if, if, you, if you don't feel like you have the wherewithal or the credentials background standing to ask for money, you got to lean into fake it till you make it instead of leaning into, I'm just some newbie chump who, you know, please give me a slot. Yeah. Here's a hint. Here's a, just like a truth blast. Like you've been doing this a long time, Adam. Don't you still have the experience that you're faking it till you make it? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I did. I did an entire thing about imposter syndrome. The thing that put it in like really stark contrast is when we initially hired Chris, our, our now former music director, he's moved on to Greener Pastures. I offered him the gig and he accepted it. He wrote this post on LinkedIn that he had taken this thing on and talked about the agency as an entity, you know, separate from myself. And he was saying all these things in, in, this, in this, thing, this article. I was like, wow, that sounds pretty impressive. But like, <laughs> you know, in my head, like everything sucks and it's like, I, I'm barely getting by and been fooling these folks. Yeah. The mask is going to slip one of these days and they're just, they're just going to know, you know? Absolutely. No, listen, I'm, I'm still figuring it out on every gig. If we make it through unbloodied, <laughs> it's a miracle, right? Ooh. And that's, you know, some of my things that I've been doing weekly, I kind of have on lock a little bit. But then the moment I do, or think I do, some crucial piece of gear breaks down or something happens in the room that I didn't anticipate and throws me or... So, yeah, don't, don't feel like... First of all, like you're ever going to get to a place where you're not having that experience. Yeah. If that ever happens for me, I'll let you know. But so far it hasn't. And because of that, that means that claiming credibility, claiming that you're a fit for what you're here to provide is valid because the people who really are and you know they are still have the experience that they're faking it. So you might as well fake it too. Why, why wouldn't you? It is kind of funny because when you get a group of guys or gals who have been doing this for a while in, in a circle to talk about this stuff, everybody kind of feels the same way. Yeah. And, and there is, there, it's hard to explain because when you've done something for so long, a part of it feels like second nature and, and it's a, yes. a thing that you can do on auto, autopilot. Right. But at the same time, always in the back of your head, there's a little bit of you going, am I doing this right? Yeah. Like, again- you and I have been working the, these kinds of gigs for close to 20 years now. And uh, I've got one coming up in September and it's been a while. And I'm just like, 
what do I like? <laughs> it was yeah. Like I know yeah. what I need to do, and when the the show's supposed to start, there will be a beginning, a middle, and an end, and I will fill that time. But every everything else is just kind of a question mark, you know? Right. Yeah. Always. Always. Every time. And and then you mentioned autopilot. Those moments when you catch yourself on autopilot. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not a good moment <laughs> for me. I don't know. I'm not gonna put that on anyone else, but I'm there to connect. I'm there to be the thermostat and the energy and all of that. And then I realized like last time I was aware that I was playing music was like two Five verses and a chorus ago. <laughs> yeah. Something, right? And and it's just I've just been I've been a, a player piano ever since then. If it's between that experience, waking up and realizing that and like the shock of that versus like the anxiety of not having it together and knowing it, I'll take the anxiety. Uh, I don't know. There's uh, <laughs> I will. You, you might there, not. <laughs> there are pros and cons to yeah. both of these scenarios. But yeah, ultimately, if you don't feel like you're ready, you're ready. Mm-hmm. I think that's really what it boils down to. Like, and if you do feel like you're ready, you may not be, but don't let that stop you. But yeah, th- th- it doesn't really matter. No. And on the flip side of that, and I'm not, you know, I'm not naming names or calling people out. Like I have been to many establishments where the entertainment was glaringly subpar, like yeah. even to the non-initiated things that are objectively bad are are not hard to, to pick out typically. And, you know, it doesn't happen all the time, but it, when it does, those are the moments where you, you actually feel like you may know what you're doing. Every other time is, is, uh, you know, is, is the crippling self-doubt. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's something magical about being able to judge others in there. It's, it's uh, <laughs> really true. It's, it's it's we love it as humans. Yes. Well, I've got a I've got a story that I I will have to tell in the uh, in the bonus pod about <laughs> right. a recent one of those. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. One more reason to join the Patreon is the Indeed. pre and pre and post roll goes up as a Patreon only. Yeah, the, you want to talk about the, the mask slipping? That's uh, <laughs> yeah. It's where the tea gets spilled. But yeah, I you know. If this is the next venture you have in front of you, just take heart and know that it probably takes less than you think. And while you should be concerned about the quality of the product that you're making, just note that maybe this, the things that you're prioritizing aren't the pr- highest priority of the venue owners or the people who uh, may be patronizing those events. Yeah. And if you stay after it before long, you'll have hundreds of hours of stage time under your belt and a It'll very wide repertoire as well. A wide repertoire for sure. And, um, you know, you'll have built it into something that's valuable for venues and that just takes nothing to book. Right. Now, the other thing that you're going to be able to do with this, if you've got your wits about you and you're able to get your system set up is, is private events, just like anything else that we're, we, we do, you know, my band, we play public so that we can play private shows. And it's right. just, it, to, to me, it's just a sales funnel. And you you do that because private events tend to pay better. So, you know, you can take a $150, $200 acoustic gig under the hopes that maybe you pick up one or two, four or $500 private gigs. But you have to have some things in place. You have to have a website. If you're wanting to get past the just standard bar gig kind of scene and establishment, you're going to have to take it up a notch. Mm-hmm. And having a legitimate website uh, is still one of those things that will get you gigs. I, I can't tell you how many times one of my bands has gotten uh, an inquiry simply because somewhere in the you know the SEO algorithm for our area, our site showed up above other people's. Right. So it matters. And if you want to do corporate work, it's an it's an absolute non-negotiable. 
yep. because it's got to go a couple, it's going to go up the chain a couple of steps. <laughs> and the person who ends up making that decision needs to have a broad way of looking at something going, yes, these people know what they're doing. Let's authorize it. So just be prepared that as you go through things, there are going to be some, some other stuff you're going to have. Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 the more upscale the gig, yeah, the more credibility you need to build with your materials. Absolutely. But I mean, that's pretty much it. Get your songs together, get your hours under you, make sure that you've got uh, clean, sophisticated looking promotional materials and businessy stuff. Um, this is a thing that we've talked about before, but we, we're huge fans of, of QR codes, like QR codes on everything. Put yep. them on your song list, put them on your signage. I have lock screens for my phone for all of my projects that have QRs on them. Uh, I prefer those over business cards because first off, the person has to be in front of you and you are telling them to perform an action, which gets them to the thing that has all your information on it yeah. versus just handing them passively a business card. And then, you know, it gets washed or thrown out or whatever. The conversion rate on on those interactions, at least anecdotally for me, have been way higher. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground here. But but the, the main takeaway is just go try it. Get yeah. out there, press the flesh, get it on your calendar, go do the gig. You know, we all started there. We all did it once. Yeah. Like I, I still remember how I ended up getting into this in the first place. I was in college and some of my buddies were partnering with a guy and they were opening a new bar. And half of my like friend group like worked at this place and they needed entertainment. And I didn't, this is one of those things where like I didn't approach them. He was like, mm. hey, can you play enough songs for like a Friday night? I was like, I don't know. I guess so. Maybe. I'm I like, cool. Uh, we'll see you on Friday. And, <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. it, it literally from then on out, I, I, that's this, these are the gigs I was doing. Yep. So don't be afraid or be afraid and do it anyway. There you go. That's been my, my experience is like, huh, I don't think I've ever done this before. This is going to probably be bad the first time. But we'll go ahead and just get it out of the way. Get it over with. Right. You know? <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Awesome. All right, guys. Hopefully that's helpful. If you have any specific questions around this kind of stuff, or maybe we can try and think about doing this for like a full f- full-fledged band, maybe it could, that could be something that ends up wrapped up in the, the coaching sessions that we, we've got yeah. uh, lined up. So We do have some new projects that have requested coaching, so we'll have sure. the opportunity. Yeah. And as a friendly reminder, those coaching form uh, sites still up. So if you haven't filled out the form, you want us to take a look at your stuff and give you some pointers, go do it. Doesn't Please. cost nothing. All right. We're good. All right. I'm feeling good about it. Me too. So thanks, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, all, of the, all the good things. And we thank you for the support and other words of affirmation as well. Indeed. Michael, take it from here though. Yeah. That being said, in Atlanta, Georgia, I am Adam Johnson. In Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. You have been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast for the week of September 15th, 2023. Hey everybody, it's Mike Schulte from the worst name band in America, the Pork Tornadoes. I listen and love this show and apparently you do too because you made it this far. No one makes it this far, but you did, which means that you owe Adam and Dan. This podcast is free and you consume it to its fullest. It's time to pay up. Here's three things you need to do. A, you have to leave them a review on your podcast platform. You're already in the app. Click five stars right now. Write some words. Done. While you're there, share this episode to a fellow musician. There's a share icon on your podcast app. Text it to him and say, you need to listen to this. You need to get better. You're not a good musician. This will help you. Two, 
You have to follow them on your social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Go find them and follow. And D, everything I just said is free and it's the least you can do, but here's where you can really support you. Join the Patreon. This is where you can actually support this podcast that you cherish so much. A small monthly donation gets you access to the Slack channel, which is the best place to be if you're a musician who wants to take your band to the next level. You have some of the best musicians giving advice and helping you out, and it's just a great overall community do it i'm serious do it now do all these things or else the pork tornadoes will come to your town book a show the same night as your band at a different bar i'm serious we'll do it 